You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. The evidence indicates that the plane was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile. In light of this new information, it is now more important than ever that we know exactly how such a tragedy could have happened. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The latest on the investigation into the airline tragedy in Iran that killed 63 Canadians is where we begin tonight. New video has emerged allegedly showing the moment an Iranian missile struck a Ukrainian airliner and a warning some viewers may find it disturbing. Global News has not independently verified this video circulating widely on social media. It allegedly shows the moment the Boeing passenger jet was shot down by an Iranian missile, the mid-air explosion caught on video. Well, tonight we can tell you there are now at least 15 confirmed victims from B.C. We will have more on the weight of the tragedy here at home in just a moment. But first, the mounting evidence indicating the plane was taken out by a missile. Aaron MacArthur explains why officials now believe that to be the case and whether or not it was accidental. A mid-air explosion caught on video. An online poster claiming these images show the moment Ukrainian airline 752 was blown out of the sky Tuesday. The plane carrying 176 people crashed shortly after takeoff from Tehran, headed to Kiev and then on to Toronto. 63 passengers, Canadian citizens, dozens more with direct ties to the country. As memorials continue to be held across the world, U.S. authorities say now there is credible evidence the plane was downed by missiles fired from inside Iran. Not our system, no, it has nothing to do with us. Uh, it was flying in a pretty rough neighborhood and somebody could have made a mistake. Prime Minister Trudeau confirming that information Thursday afternoon. It is all the more necessary, therefore, to gather all the evidence to have a complete picture of what happened. Online, open-source journalists such as Bellingcat have linked the strike to an SA-15 surface-to-air missile, commonly known as a Tor-Air M1 launcher. Iran has dismissed the U.S. intelligent information outright. The regime has been clear. The black box data recovered from the crash site will not be shared with U.S. authorities, nor with Boeing. Canadian airline investigators say Iran need to follow international guidelines. We have some of the finest accident investigators in the world who work for the, the Transportation Safety Board in Canada. I would be um, uh, very confident that uh, eventually we would find out what caused the accident. The Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister had an initial call with his Iranian counterpart Wednesday night and is demanding answers from Tehran. I did stress that Canadians and Canada is a legitimate need and concern with respect to the investigation. Late Thursday, Transportation Safety Board investigators were invited to the crash site. Whether they will be able to discern the truth, vital to the families of the victims and the international community at large. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And these new developments come as the confirmed number of British Columbians who were killed in the tragedy grows. We now know at least 15 people died and they were from this province. John Waugh spoke to family and friends about the magnitude of the loss and has their reaction to news the plane may have been shot down. I cannot believe this. Very hard. Everywhere Babak Razagi looks, 
are heartbreaking reminders of the loved ones he's lost. How can I believe this? I've seen my uh, sister's stuff, I've seen my uh, brother-in-law's stuff, I see my, uh, my like, come stuff, so this is very hard. <laughs> the core of a close-knit family, Nilufar Kamsi Razagi, her husband Ardalan Ebnadin Hamidi, and their 15-year-old son Kamyar, listed among the 176 passengers on board Ukraine International Flight 752, who never made it home. I passed one pages, two pages, three pages, four pages, and in the, in the, in the, in the last one, we, 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 we saw this, their names. A crushing moment being felt by more families in British Columbia. A promising business student, a loving mother, an engineer doing his post-doctorate. Now among at least 15 from this province, taken much too soon. I cannot describe it. It's so sad. As people pay their respects at a vigil in North Vancouver at the University of Victoria, students are devastated by the news. Roja Omidbash never got to live out her dream. It seems so far away, but it's someone who was here and like in my community. It just makes my heart hurt. It's really devastating to hear that it happened to somebody at the school. Adding fuel to their anguish reports that U.S. officials are confident the plane was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile. I don't like to believe that Iranians killed Iranians again. The regime killed its own citizens again. A local photographer, it's hard for Azrahimi to look at pictures of not just lost clients, but friends, and not feel anger and pain. It's a mixture of all anger, anxiety, depression, everything. Those left behind can only wonder how this could happen. But what's even more important for the loved ones of this poor Coquitlam family is to honor how they lived. They are in heaven. And we always do not forget all good memories from them. John Hua, Global News. The Vancouver Police Department has been ordered to dismiss a senior Vancouver police officer over an inappropriate relationship with a junior VPD officer who took her own life. An investigation found three allegations of discreditable conduct involving Sergeant Dave Van Patten were substantiated. Rumina Dea tells us what happens now and how the family of the junior officer involved is reacting. The decision by the discipline authority to dismiss VPD Sergeant Dave Van Patten coming down one year after Constable Nicole Chan committed suicide. It was Chan's dream to serve and protect. She spent nine years as a proud member of the VPD. In a statement, the officer's sister, Jen Chan, says the family is satisfied the correct decision was reached, but they remain deeply concerned with the events leading up to Nicole's death, adding that more needs to be done to hold those who abuse their power accountable. And for Nicole's friends and family, the issue is far from resolved. The review ordered by the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner revealed Van Patten was in an inappropriate relationship with Chan, a junior constable, while he was a senior officer in human resources. Chan says her sister was struggling with anxiety and depression when she came forward and made a complaint to the chief in 2017 about inappropriate relationships concerning two senior officers, Van Patten and VPD Sergeant Greg McCullough. I believe that she felt pressured into it and she was not in a good mental state to um, basically tell them no. She felt like she couldn't say no to them. 
McCullough was given a 15-day suspension. He later resigned. Van Patten is currently not on active duty. He's been suspended. The VPD won't comment on whether Van Patten is still being paid or whether he plans to appeal the decision, which he has a right to do. We reached out to both Van Patten and McCullough for comment, but they did not respond by deadline. Romina Dea, Global News. An 83-year-old man was taken to hospital when an Amtrak train collided with his vehicle this morning. The crash happened in the area of Caslow Street and Grandview Highway around 11.30 a.m. The train was on its way from Seattle to Vancouver when it happened. The cause of the accident is under investigation. No one on the train was hurt. A B.C. man is considering filing a human rights complaint following an appointment at the bank that ended with himself and his granddaughter in handcuffs. As Joe Bennett reports, they were there to open a bank account when they believed they were racially profiled by a bank employee and suspected of fraud. On December 20th, Maxwell Johnson and his 12-year-old granddaughter walked into this bank. He's had an account with the Bank of Montreal since 2014 and wanted to open one for her. She checked my status card and she said one or two numbers didn't add up on her, so she asked if I had any other form of ID, so I gave her my uh, birth certificate. Johnson says the teller didn't say she suspected he and his granddaughter were trying to commit fraud, but she told him she had to take the ID upstairs to be verified. Shortly after, Vancouver police officers arrived. Sure enough, they came over, asked us who we were, um, took us outside, handcuffed us, um, told us we were not under arrest, but we were being detained. The pair had done nothing wrong, but Johnson says he was then told the teller thought his granddaughter was too young to have a status card, and there was an issue with two of the numbers. In a statement, Bank of Montreal officials say the incident does not reflect the bank at its best. It goes on to say they truly regret what happened and unequivocally apologize. The statement also says the incident is under review and will be used as a learning opportunity. Vancouver police call the situation regrettable, saying officers called to a fraud in progress decided to use handcuffs while they completed the investigation. The VPD are always looking at ways to be better at what we do and how to deal with each situation, especially sensitive issues and cultural differences. You don't handcuff a 12-year-old, and I think everybody should be very, very upset. And uh, giving an elder, an Indigenous elder, a hard time in, in this fashion is unacceptable. My granddaughters can be scarred for life now. Johnson and his granddaughter were quickly cleared of any wrongdoing. He's now hired a lawyer and plans to file a human rights complaint. Jill Bennett, Global News. In northern BC tonight, pipeline opponents are digging in their heels and growing in numbers near a blockade, barring pipeline workers from lawfully accessing construction sites. Sarah McDonald reports the area now not only the focus of a tense standoff, but also a criminal investigation. If there was any doubt, opponents of a highly polarized pipeline would be digging in their heels. There's no question they're here to stay. We're just here as support for them. Those in defiance of a court order standing in the way of construction on the natural gas pipeline running through indigenous land now have ears and eyes on both sides of this blockade. You can't speak about reconciliation while ignoring the traditional governments of these lands. 
we have them putting in a 60-foot bridge. The $6.6 billion project, not only supported by provincial, federal, and elected First Nation governments, but also by the B.C. Supreme Court, siding with the energy giant behind it, issuing an extended injunction mandating the removal of all obstacles on Wet'suwet'en Nation land. The response? Defiant and potentially criminal. RCMP discovering trees poised to topple alongside the dozens of others already felled. Tires stacked on top of accelerants, also uncovered on a crucial access road. Of course, uh, that prompted them to, to look a little deeper, and um, the investigation is continuing. At the heart of the issue is how Indigenous law is recognized under the Canadian legal system. The pipeline supported by the elected chiefs and councils of all 21st Nations that it runs through. But the hereditary leaders opposed to it say, without their consent, there is none. Coastal gas links has no right to talk to us. They can demand all they want. The lucrative deal has left this nation divided, governed by five of those elected band councils that want the pipeline built. The reason why we wanted this pipeline to go through is like, it'll bring funds to our membership that we really need. But it's not about the dollar figure for those opposed on principle. The RCMP needs to change their interactions with Indigenous people. Left waiting and watching, with others beyond the barricade likely to leave in handcuffs. Sarah McDonald, Global News. It is official. A snowfall warning has been issued for Metro Vancouver and other areas, and works crews are shifting gears to prepare for it. Catherine Urquhart is live in Vancouver with more on snow preps there. Catherine? Well, Chris, we are here outside Vancouver City Works Yard, where, as you can imagine, it's been a very busy day. 5 to 15 centimetres of snow expected overnight and as much as 25 centimetres at higher elevations. So crews in Vancouver and across Metro Vancouver have been busy getting ready. They've been brining and salting, with arterial routes being the priority. They've also been making sure that ploughing equipment is ready if that's needed as well. We're prepared for uh, pretty much anything. Uh, we're expecting a real cold snap for next week. Um, if it's cold and dry, we're going to keep brining. Uh, if we do get a snowfall, we're going to be salting. If it's a uh, significant snowfall with some accumulations on the roads, uh, that's when we go to plowing the roads as well. As we all know, colder conditions can be life-threatening for the homeless. The Union Gospel Mission, the City of Vancouver and many agencies have warming centres open. They're also getting hats, gloves and coats to those in need. Temperatures in the coming days expected to plunge well below zero. And we should also mention that BC Ferries has issued a wind warning for tomorrow morning, meaning that there could be delays and even cancellations. Chris, back to all, you. Yeah, all kinds of nasty coming our way. Thanks very much, Catherine. We'll bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now to answer the big question. When is the snow going to get here and where is it going to hit? Well, Chris, so we have high confidence that this is going to be a major snow event. The one question will be how long will it last through the morning hours? First, let's have a look at how much snow could fall. Near the water's edge, some areas may not see any snowfall at all. Zero to five centimeters expected there as temperatures may hover just above the freezing mark. But just inland as well as the Fraser Valley, five to 15 centimeters is possible. But it will vary significantly from neighborhood to neighborhood, as always is the case. And then higher elevations, including Burnaby Mountain, could see up to 20 
25 centimeters. So the timeline is that the rain or snow, snow over higher terrain, but most areas would see it begin as rain this evening. And then overnight as temperatures drop, that rain will transition to snow for a period of time. Now, tomorrow morning, we're expecting it to transition back to rain. It will likely, the snowfall, affect the morning commute, but we'll be watching the timing of that transition. Hopefully it happens earlier and washes that snow away, but it could just mean that it makes for a slushy mess as we will see significant accumulations before then. All right, well, stay tuned. Thanks, Christy. Right now, though, a Vancouver couple is claiming tonight they're being forced from their longtime rental home by a new twist in a familiar scenario. They say rent at their newly renovated building is being increased by more than $1,100 a month. And while they claim it's a renoviction, Nadia Stewart reports the landlord insists that's not the case. Keon Gray and his husband Gerard don't want to leave their Water Street apartment, but they say their landlord, Reliance Properties, is trying to squeeze them out by raising the rent. They're trying to pressure us into signing new leases to get us out of this fixed-term lease, which uh, we're in and does not allow them to raise our rent. The couple has called 33 Water Street home for three years. They moved in after their landlord served notice their old building, 1170 Bidwell, would be torn down and replaced with this new high-rise. With their lease terminated after 17 years, they signed a new agreement to live here. As the city of Vancouver requires landlords relocate tenants facing displacement because of development. Those rules also include first right of refusal, so former tenants are offered units in the new building. Now the new building is ready for occupants, but Gray says they were not ready for an $1,100 increase in rent. I don't feel after 20 years and well over $200,000 spent, our reward should be kicked out of Vancouver. Reliance has given the tenants three options. Move into the new building with a 20% discount on market rent for the life of the tenancy or pay market rate and Reliance would give the tenants post-dated checks for 24 months to make up the difference. They're also extending that same offer to those who want to stay at 33 Water Street. Reliance says this is not a renoviction. In an email, their president, John Stavell, says they designed a custom relocation plan, exceeding tenant entitlements and their obligation under the city's tenant relocation policies. He says all three offers are city-approved. We're going to fight it. I'm not going anywhere. Gray says it's the significant increase between their old and future rent that he and others are calling unfair. Reliance is trying to skirt the provincial law that only allows a certain rent increase. We are in a fixed-term lease right now. We're not giving it up. Gray says Reliance has given them until January 13th to accept one of the offers on the table. He says he has no plans to do that. Nadia Stork, Global News. A Kelowna family who just moved to the Okanagan from New York five days ago has had a terrifying welcome to B.C. They were victimized by a burglar while they were at home. And aside from the trauma, as Jules Knox reports, they also suffered the heartbreaking loss of priceless family possessions. This bedroom right here, the door kind of slowly creaked open. On Wednesday morning around 5 a.m., Lisa Farlow had just put her toddler back to sleep and was resting in a bed in his room. And then I just saw like a hand reaching for our light switch. When she realized it wasn't her husband, she started screaming. In like the most 
visceral, guttural way I've ever heard in my life and I uh, instantly thought that something had happened to our son. Gorodetsky ran down the hall to his wife, but the man who broke into their home had been spooked and fled. That's when they realized what was missing. Irreplaceable treasure after irreplaceable treasure. The couple had moved to Kelowna from New York less than a week ago because Gorodetsky had been offered a job teaching creative studies at UBC Okanagan. In addition to clothes and laptops, the thief stole a hard drive with 15 years worth of Gorodetsky's plays, photos and music. All of, all of my creative work, everything I've ever, everything I've ever made. Being from Brooklyn, Farlow says the family locks the door and doesn't know how the thief got in. Last night was really hard. Just like the toddler woke up again in the early morning and I just had like this frozen flashback. The couple is hoping that somebody will find a blue Herschel backpack with Gordetsky's hard drives and notepads inside. A suspect has not been arrested. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. An Anmore family is angry and frustrated tonight over the actions of B.C. Conservation. They say their efforts to save a lost and emaciated bear cub in their neighborhood ended with conservation officers telling them they're under investigation. Linda Aylesworth reports. <laughs> under a backyard table in Anmore last night in below zero conditions, a tiny black bear cub lay shivering. After contacting Critter Care Wildlife Society, concerned neighbours called the Conservation Officer Service. I tried to explain to him over that Critter Care had a spot, they will take the bear, the, our, the conservation officer has to be the one that takes the bear there, and he refused to do it. Corrine said she was told if she took the cup to Critter Care herself, she would face legal action, perhaps arrest. And if the bear is still there tomorrow morning, call him back and he will maybe pick it up and walk it 100 feet across the street and dump it in the woods there and let nature take its course. At first light, the cub was still there. And so with the help of the Fur Bearer Society, they defied the warning they had received and brought the cup to Critter Care themselves. He's thin. He should be like 70, 80 pound. Uh, he's only 20 pound. He's uh, quite emaciated. When Michael Robson got home, a conservation officer was waiting for him. And now I'm under investigation for interfering with wildlife and there's a possibility they're going to charge me and put me in jail. The Conservation Officer Service says it's investigating the matter from both sides and that no unauthorized people should take such actions themselves. But perhaps that overnight phone call for help could have been dealt with better, so they didn't feel they had to take matters into their own hands. It is alarming to us, though, that in seeking help for a clearly underweight bear cub, so much resistance was met. The cub, which has since been tagged by conservation officers, has a long way to go but will probably survive. Its fate, if it had in fact been left in the woods? It would have died. It's too small, it's too thin, it would have died. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. American firefighters are cheered as they arrive in Australia to help fight the devastating wildfires. The latest group of Canadian specialists to hit Australia received a similar welcome a couple of days ago. There are now about 160 American firefighters in Australia and about 100 Canadians. 
So, Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, is on her way back to B.C. at this hour. This, of course, comes amid the fallout from her announcement, along with Prince Harry yesterday, that they are stepping back from the royal family. ET Canada reports she is heading to Victoria via Vancouver. Global's Sonia Diol is at Vancouver International Airport tonight with the latest on the story that has put B.C. at the centre of a royal scandal rather unexpectedly, Sonia. It absolutely has. This is what we're hearing, that uh, the Duchess of Sussex is very much on her way. Uh, only minutes from landing, it's a British Airways flight that is coming in from London into uh, Vancouver, arriving at 7.01. And from here, uh, reportedly, she will be on her way to Victoria. This is a royal scandal that just continues to unfold. A London newspaper is reporting today that Prince Charles and Prince William were only sent a copy of Prince Harry and Meghan's statement, 10 minutes before it was released publicly. The Evening Standard also going on to uh, quote unnamed senior sources saying that Prince Harry did request a meeting with the Queen but it was blocked by palace officials uh, but the Queen did make it clear to both Harry and Meghan that they should not release this news just at this stage. Um, that didn't happen. The reaction to that has been uh, really condemning of this couple. Uh, the British press has really uh, come down hard on this royal couple uh, saying that the Queen has been defied, she's been ignored, and this is a person who has lived her whole life uh, ruled by a sense of public duty. Now, the other details that we're getting tonight is their website has been updated. On there, the royal couple have talked about their vision, how they want to hold on to their London home, and as they want to continue as patrons of uh, royal charities as well. There's a big question around their security, uh, their royal protection officers. That money essentially comes from the public purse, and if they're living abroad, we don't know where that's going to come from. A uh, quick word on Baby Archie. People magazine is reporting Baby Archie is in Victoria with her friend Jessica Mulroney. That hasn't been confirmed by us so far. Back to you. All right. We'll see how this all unfolds, Sonia. Thank you. Of course, the royal scandal has been a hot topic around the world, and the fallout has been widespread, including here in Canada. The Tim Hortons coffee chain is being roasted by some for its joking tweet that if Meghan and Harry do in fact move to Canada, they'll get free coffee for life at Tim Hortons. Twitter users were quick to point out the problem with that for a corporation with a history of labor disputes. One saying, they can afford to buy the company. Your employees can't even afford rent. Another tweeting, you have employees who have to go to the food bank to put food on the table, and you want to offer an already incredibly wealthy family this perk. And Madame Tussauds in London wasted no time reacting to Harry and Meghan's shocking news. This is what the gallery's main royal family display looked like until today. Well, the Queen and Prince Philip flanked by William and Kate and Harry and Meghan. Well, here is what it looks like now. Madame Tussaud has moved Harry and Meghan to the other side of the room on their own, facing the rest of the royal family. It's important to us here at Madame Tussauds London that we always have our finger on the pulse and we're reflecting here in the attraction what is happening um, in the world and in popular culture. So we're just reflecting the decision that the couple have made themselves. It's cheeky. It seemed like it happened quick too, <laughs> didn't it?
In health matters tonight, new numbers show that the NDP government's decision to eliminate medical services plan premiums has left behind a huge pile of unpaid bills. The government has more than $420 million of unpaid premiums on the books. As Richard Zussman reports, it might have a hard time collecting it all. January 1st was supposed to be the end of medical service plan premiums in British Columbia. But the province is still trying to track down unpaid bills to the tune of $422 million. The province doesn't know exactly how many people owe, but they are trying to get some of that money back. MSP has always been hard to administer by the province, leading to red flags from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation for a long time. It looks like a big waste of money. This is a huge waste of cash. We also need to keep in mind how much money was being spent administering the medical services premium, the MSP. It's one of the main reasons why we wanted to see it gone. The province says it has a few options. One is to use the Canadian Revenue Agency to get what is owed, but it's unclear how many accounts it will actually pass on to the federal government. The province doesn't seem that worried about the missing millions of dollars, claiming getting rid of MSP will save $50 million a year in administrative costs. Finance Minister Carol James unavailable for comment today, providing this statement instead. Quote, in recent years, the total MSP premiums in arrears has been decreasing. And we expect the outstanding accounts will continue to be resolved as MSP premiums are eliminated and the program winds down. They're struggling to balance that budget. Um, so that, of course, removes the kinds of choices they might be able to make with respect to people's arrears. As for this year's budget, which is expected to be tight, the provincial government says they're not sure how much of this money is owed from last year and how much is owed from previous years. But it is clear that every dollar the province gets back means another dollar that can be spent somewhere else. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A Christmas Day break-in at a Taco Bell by a man who not only cooked his own meal, but was in no hurry to get away. That's right after the forecast. A good playlist going while he did it, too, apparently. Let's check in with Christy now. We've got uh, snow warnings in, a, in effect, snowfall warnings in effect, all kinds of things going on. That's right. So I know it's not good news for the commute to work tomorrow morning, but I can't wait to see the snow. I don't know about you. Here's a look at the current conditions. So we are seeing some precipitation move across Vancouver Island, touching onto the Sunshine Coast. But so far, I've not had any reports of any snowfall, really just rain across the region. And that really should be the case as we head through the evening hours. It's only higher elevation areas, so near the mountains across Vancouver Island as well, that would see snow this evening. Overnight is when we would see this rain transition to snow for most regions. And so areas right near the water may not see that transition, but much of Metro Vancouver will likely. And that's when we'll start to build those snowfall accumulation uh, numbers. So while you're asleep, likely. And then in the morning, the big tricky part here will be when will it transition back to rain? A lot of computer models are showing that that transition may happen fairly quickly during your commute. If you're up early, the commute may not be too good at all, but it may improved throughout the commute. So we'll be tracking that closely for you. And then here's a look at how much we could see across all of the South Coast. Up to 15 for inland sections of Vancouver Island. Far less for coastal regions. Other than the Malahat, we'll be watching up to 10. Same for the Cowichan region. We talked about Metro Vancouver, 5 to 15, with higher elevation regions and House Sound up to 25. Here's a look at the winds we could see tomorrow morning. Along with that, uh, as the cold front moves across, gusts up to 70 kilometers 
kilometers an hour, and we're going to see snowfall all across the province tomorrow. It's tonight for the coast, but inland regions during the day tomorrow, and significant amounts, up to 5 to 10 centimeters for the uh, Okanagan region, and up to 25, well, max 25, but 20 expected in, in further inland. So there's that snowfall, also windy conditions expected right across southern BC. We will see that transition to rain. The timing of that will be a bit tricky. In the long range, yes, that cold weather is set to push in. The next bout of potential snow will be on Sunday. All right. Thanks, Christy. Caught on video, a man who really wanted some Mexican food and a rest on Christmas Day. Surveillance cameras at a Taco Bell in Georgia caught him breaking in through the drive through window. After wandering around a bit, he fired up the grill and cooked himself a meal. After eating his fill, he decided to take a nap, albeit a rather uncomfortable one. He eventually left, but with a stolen tablet and laptop as well. Who can blame him? It's hard, it's hard work in the kitchen. <laughs> I wonder what he cooked. Oh, he's probably looking for a warm place. I think so. And here. 14 goals in two days is great if you're scoring them. Not so much <laughs> yeah, otherwise. Exactly. I know. Well, that seven-game win streak seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Anyway, uh, Florida's nickname is the Sunshine State, which makes sense because the Canucks have gotten burned on their trip there. Two nights ago, they were struck by the lightning, 9-2. And to continue with our use of nicknames for cheap turns of phrase, tonight they got mauled by the Panthers. In the break... But at least Jacob Markstrom didn't have to face any rubber tonight. It was Thatcher Demko, and he had 50 shots on goal. I know the Canucks have won when allowing a lot of shots on goal, but you're not going to win against a team like Florida, which has a lot of offense. Nola Chari scored there. That was a Quinn Hughes giveaway. Then Mark Pizik scores to make it 2-0. So very quickly, the Panthers are off and running. The Canucks would get one back, though, in the first period. Brock Besser deflects in a Tyler Myers shot. Take one more look. Yep, so it's 2-1. But just before the end of the first period, Evgeny Dadanov, it's a 2-on-1. And it's 3-1. Second period, Panthers had lots of chances to increase the score even further, but they only got one goal. Mike Hoffman on the power play, that made it 4-1. It was 5-1 on another Achari goal. And then the Canucks got one back. Oh, we're not going to show you. Okay. Probably just as well. Uh, Tyler Mott got the other Canuck goal. All right, the uh, Whitecaps' first pick in the MLS Super Draft was a Canadian winger, midfielder, slash, uh, who plays... University by the name of Ryan Raposo. The Whitecaps like his speed and scoring ability. He set a Syracuse record by scoring 15 goals and 37 points as a sophomore last season. He's not big, he's only 5'7", but in soccer, size doesn't matter if you can hit the back of the net. And the fact he's Canadian, and also the fact he's very happy the Whitecaps took him, is a huge plus. They also drafted goalkeeper Daniel Gallardi in the second round. What's that all about? All right, opening round, Sony Open. They're still playing right now because it's in Hawaii, but I thought I'd show you this 50-foot birdie putt from Abbotsford's Nick Taylor. He's at even par right now, which is five shots off the lead. Well, tonight could be the night that UBC men's basketball coach Kevin Hansen makes Canada West Conference history. If his team beats Trinity Western, which UBC should, Hansen will have won more games than any coach in Canada West history.
Got to dominate the boards tonight. They beat us up on the boards. Tonight's got to be our night on the boards. All right, let's have a good one. This has been Kevin Hansen's life for the past two decades, coaching and running the highly successful men's basketball program at UBC. Now in his 20th season, Hansen is on the verge of becoming the winningest coach in Canada West history. His next victory will be his 314th conference win, a memorable moment to be sure, just like that first win 20 years ago, right? <laughs> as a matter of fact, I don't. <laughs> it's been, uh, that's quite a few years ago, 20 years ago. All right, we can excuse that, but something a coach doesn't ever forget is the feeling they get on the court when all that practice time and preparation comes together and pays off. I mean, there's nothing better than winning a basketball game, you know, the whole week of preparation to see your plan come to fruition on a weekend. And it's really, uh, it really is self-satisfying. And, and I'm, I'm proud of the fact, and I'm very excited to be a little part of history of the game of basketball. Um, his basketball IQ is, is second to none. That's one of the things that I noticed right away when I, when I started coaching with him is, is he's always seeing two, three, four steps ahead of everybody else and can make adjustments as he goes. Um, but really, the first and foremost, it's always been his passion for the game. Come on, fellas. Time out! Time out! Time out! Time out! Hansen's been around long enough to see the evolution of the game on and off the court. He's changed with the times, maybe a little kinder and a little gentler than the old days, but one thing hasn't changed, he's got the respect of his players. He's a player's coach, he's uh, very relatable. Um, he takes input from us and he, he deals with uh, some of our outbursts as players sometimes. That's what I think makes Kevin a great coach. He, he'll say something and he'll hold, he'll hold true to his word, so that's uh, it's definitely very beneficial to me it's just to be, have like the loyalty within a team. Not everyone's going to be your friend at the end of the day when you're in the coaching world, but the ones that are certainly is a special bond uh, that continues on through life. On three. One, two, three. Yeah. Hansen's won 479 games overall, but the one win that's eluded him is the national championship game. He's been there twice and lost both, and it's the one thing missing from his resume. But the fire still burns inside, and he doesn't plan on stepping away anytime soon. It's been a great journey and one that I hope continues for many more years. There you go. Here's your snow report for this evening. Not a lot of new snow here, but we are expecting a ton beginning this evening. Whistler, Blackcomb, Grouse, Cypress and Sasquatch all could see up to 25 centimeters over the next 24 hours. Manning Park has received 10 in the last 24 hours. Revelstoke, nothing new, but they'll see some tomorrow. Fernie, 14. Kicking Horse, 4. Big White, 4. Silver Star, 1. Sun Peaks, 5. And Apex, 3. Mount Washington expecting to get a ton of new snow starting this evening, Whitewater 10, Red Mountain nothing new, and Powder King has won. Coming up on ET Canada, the Viking Shocker and Kristen Stewart's underwater horror movie, plus 30-something who wants to be a millionaire and all the new reboots coming to TV. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to Chris and Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Cheryl. Well, he's been known around, uh, for years around the Fraser Valley as Abbotsford's hot dog king. But from now on, he'll be celebrated for a much more important reason. Andrew Scully White is shutting down his business for three weeks so he can give one of his customers nothing less than a new lease on life. There are hot dog stands, and then there's Lully's Food Experience. Hey, all right, go. Best hot dog in town. Located in a Canadian Tire parking lot, it's an experience because Everything there's nothing it? conventional about the menu. Those are beef briskets that we get shipped in from Montreal. Or the owner, 
Andrew Scully White. Well, the most important rule after no ketchup and sauerkraut, no Manchester United. That is a given. Anybody shows up in one of those jerseys, they can go to Subway. A rare negative review he had printed on a shirt, but there are plenty of people who do love what he's serving up. It's like cheers when you come in here, right? He knows your name, he knows your hot dog, he knows your everything, right? Because he actually, he cares about his customers. Cares so much that he's giving up a part of himself to a customer. He came out of the Canadian Tire Store in early December and he looked like he was 85 years old. And that's when they told me that he needed a kidney. He is Tim Hiscock, a 45-year-old married father with advanced kidney failure. There's something about him, like he just, it's the way we told him the story, and the very next day he called me and said, okay. Some of Scully's customers think he's a hero. Just don't let him hear you say that. I got two. It's, I don't need it. It's like an old set of luggage, get rid of it. He's, he's just a great guy. Like, yeah. I, I can't thank him enough. He's giving you the gift of life. Yeah. He'll always be in my heart, you know, and it's sad. You guys are going to make me cry. <laughs> quality in the kitchen. A quality guy in the community. Oi. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. And as well, our producer, Marsh Gabriel, said, we'll have to catch up with them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Find out about their... He's got some rules about hot dogs, though. Yes. No. no ketchup, no sauerkraut, and no Man U fans served <laughs> oh, aloud. Right. <laughs> Liverpool, right? That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Liverpool fan. All right, Christy, last word to you. Yes, so overnight tonight we will see some snowfall. The tricky part will be when will it transition to rain, hopefully early enough that you won't have a problem with your commute, but I think you can bank on you having a problem. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to take tomorrow off. Great, good for you. I'm stopping to get salt on the way home. Have a good night, everyone.